Real quick for all the hard work they've been doing, not just for this Sunday, but every week since October. They've been putting in time and effort and work. So Becca Segurzma on keys, Natalie Phillips, Matthew Phillips, Hayden Eck, Katie Mouse, and then the bass player, um, Amy Phillips. So if y'all know anybody that's youth and wants to learn a bass or knows how to play bass, we have an opening. Yeah, or just wants to sing, we have an opening. So let's pray and then uh, we'll get into God's word. Father, we thank you so much for uh, just this glorious morning that you've given us to come into your house and to give you praise and to worship you in spirit and in truth. God, we're just grateful for these youth and for their hearts to serve you and to use their gifts to bring you glory. And uh, Lord, we just pray over this time this morning that uh, our hearts be ready to receive from your word what you'll have for us. And we pray this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, welcome to... Second service of Youth Sunday, um, we had first service to get our jitters out, so you guys came to the right service, so welcome for, to be here. Um, this morning, we're going to just give you a little glimpse into what our youth ministry, which is called Immerse, uh, what Immerse is all about, and to kind of give you an idea of what we want to do as a youth ministry, uh, how we want to pour into these students, and um, just give you a little insight into what we do as Immerse. And so this looks a little bit what it would look like on a Wednesday night. So if you're running up and down K Beach on a Wednesday night and at 6.30 and you don't have anything to do, there's nothing good on TV anyway, might as well stop in here and come hang out with our youth and listen to them play. And uh, you might even get to have some donuts and all that fun stuff that we have that is not included on Sunday morning. Sorry, guys, we didn't bring the snacks that we normally have, but... Um, this is kind of what it looks like. And so, why Immerse? Why did we choose this name for our student ministry? Um, we want to be fully immersed into following Jesus. So the word immerse means to go all in. All right, so we want to be all in for your students, with your students, and teaching them what God's word says about being all in. And so all in means... Go, you go all in with your whole heart, your whole soul, and your whole mind. And so that's what it means uh, to be immersed. I know as Baptists, we think of immersed, we think of fully immersed of baptism and being immersed, which is part of it. But this immerse is, we want to be all in for Jesus. And um, we want to be all in for you, youth, students, and your families. And so that's what we are here to do and, and what we want to instill into these students. So um, our verse for our youth group, kind of our life verse, is from 1 Timothy 4.15. And um, I love the, the ESV translation because it works in the name of our youth ministry. So it says in 1 Timothy 4.15, to practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your, pro so all may see your progress. And so if we're immersing ourselves in these things, practicing these things, what are these things? And so that's what we're going to discuss this morning. Talk about what Paul wrote to Timothy um, as a younger person, as his son in the faith, as Paul liked to call him, and what we want to see instilled in our youth ministry. And so if we start back in 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 6, we're going to read through to verse 15. And then we'll walk back through those verses a little bit and, and kind of pinpoint what Paul is talking about and practicing these things. And so 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 6, says, 
If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. So there's a lot to take in just in that short passage of Scripture, but these are the things that we want to project outwardly to our students so that they can take inwardly and live out their faith, right? We don't want to just become, say we're believers of Christ and then stay in the same as we always were. We want to see progress. We want to see change. We want to grow into maturity. And we want to be complete as followers of Christ. And it's why Timothy is told by Paul to practice these things, to immerse yourself in them, right? If we're not doing something, if we're not actively a part of the process, then we're not doing what we need to do to grow in our faith, right? We, we take in what was freely given to us, his grace, in faith, through faith by Christ Jesus, that we are saved, but now we got to do some work afterwards, right? Or else we're just going to stay the same and we'll stay stagnant. In order to grow, we want to immerse ourselves in these things and to practice them so that all may see your progress. So what does that mean? What are we practicing and immersing? So that's what we're going to talk about this morning a little bit. So if you start in verse 6, we're going to work our way back and go through, starting in verse 6. So Paul talks about these words of faith and good doctrine that you have followed. Where do we find words of faith? From God's word, right? That's where we receive words of faith from God's word. If, we're, if our foundation is in God's word, if we are spending time in his word, if we are living in his word, then we're going to know these words of faith. And then we're also, it says, following good doctrine. We're going to recognize good doctrine from being in his word, right? That's where we receive good doctrine. Now, if we're grounded in his word, we'll be able to pick up bad doctrine pretty easily, right? Because we'll recognize it. We'll recognize false doctrine when we see it, when we hear it, because we'll know what his word says. So that's why we got to compare everything that we hear, everything that we receive from the outside world, and compare it to scripture. Does it align with scripture? Does it align with this good doctrine and these words of faith that we've given, or we've been given? If it doesn't, it's probably not good doctrine, right? So we have to weigh everything against Scripture. If we're not in His Word, we won't recognize that false doctrine when it comes around. And our world is so full of it. There's false doctrine, there's bad teaching everywhere you look. But if it doesn't align with Scripture, it's not good. It's not good. And so, you guys, you guys, we just spent seven weeks talking about doctrine, right? Slow head nods, yeah. Now we started on apologetics, so we're doing back-to-back -back from a doctrine to apologetics. So we just learned, we spent time learning about the doctrine means that doctrine is what we believe and why. 
right? So when it comes to good doctrine, why do we believe what we believe? Why do we believe who Jesus is? Why do we believe in what he's done? Because we know from his word we can recognize good doctrine if we are following what his word says. And so we should be able to pinpoint good teaching when we see it, and we should also be able to recognize false teaching when we hear it because we know what his word says. And so continuing in verse 6, these words of faith and good doctrine that you have followed. So there's also a part that we have to follow these good teachings and this doctrine, right? Timothy wasn't brand new. He wasn't a new convert when he received this letter from Paul. He had been following Christ. His, his, we see a legacy of faith in his life. And we see in 2 Timothy, it talks about his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. I mean, they passed on this legacy of faith to Timothy. And so he, he wasn't a brand new convert, but he was young. Now, he wasn't immersed age young. Most scholars say he was probably in his 30s. But in that time frame, in that Greek era, he would have been considered young, and nobody would have wanted to listen to his teaching. That's why Paul addresses that in verse 12. But this, these, these things that you have followed is that he, you know, this is him learning partially due to his learning that he had received and following this teaching from, from the apostles and from others. But it was also something that had been built on from generations, this legacy of faith. And so parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles in this room, you guys have a wonderful opportunity to build on this legacy of faith that you have to pass it on to these younger generation, to these youth, to your kids. Even if they're not your kids, you can speak into them. You can encourage them. You can uh, just pray scripture over them. You can have a part in this uh, influence for these young people and to help them on that track like Timothy, this, this good word and uh, words of faith and doctrine they have followed, you can help them to follow Christ just from an outside perspective. We have to have um, an influence on these young people's lives. And so what are these things he's talking about? He said these things that we are supposed to practice these things, immerse these, in these things. What are these things that we're supposed to put before the brothers? Before the brothers, is me put before the body, put before the, the body of Christ, fellow believers, brothers and sisters. What are these things that we're supposed to put before them to be a good servant of Christ? Uh, being trained in the word of faith and good doctrine. So number one thing that we need to do, according to Paul's letter to Timothy, is um, in verse 7, having nothing to do with irreverent and silly myths. Again, that goes back to that doctrine and that word of faith issue. If something doesn't align with Scripture, according to Paul, it is irreverent and silly. Don't follow it. Don't pay attention to it. There's a lot of things in this world that want to infiltrate Christianity and tell the brothers and the sisters that these things are good when it's not in the Bible. It does not align with Scripture. And according to Paul, that's irreverent and silly. So we're not to chase after these things that are irreverent and silly. We are rather, Paul says, to train yourselves for righteousness. How do we train ourselves for righteousness? By being in God's word, by gathering together as brothers and sisters of Christ, and by seeking God's truths. So to have nothing to do with these myths, believers must avoid all false teaching and only seek after truth. Truth is in God's word. So in Paul's letters to Timothy, First and Second Timothy, he used the word, he talked about truth 11 times to get this message across to Timothy, how vital it is, how important it is to to seek after truth. He emphasized the importance of adhering to truth. 
So again, we must weigh everything against Scripture. If it's not biblically sound, it's irreverent and silly. I don't know if I've ever used silly from the pulpit before, but I like it. I might use it again. That's good. So number two, the thing that we need to do is we're training for righteousness in verses 7 and 8. Righteousness and our pursuit of it is valuable in every way, according to Paul. If we're pursuing righteousness, it has good, it, it's good for us. It's good for our spirit. It's good for our soul. It's good for our life here on earth. But better than that, it's good for our life beyond this earth, right? We are, uh, we're training not just for worldly pursuits, but for eternal pursuit, eternal reward. Uh, these things do not compare with, with, the things of this world don't compare with training for righteousness. They have, the things of this world just have a, a temporal value. They're temporary. But if we're pursuing righteousness, we're pursuing Christ, these things will have eternal value. So, number one, have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Number two, train for righteousness. And number three, according to verse 10, if we want to immerse ourselves and practice these things, we have to set our hope in Jesus. Our hope is only found in Christ Jesus. And so Paul wrote, to this end we toil and strive. We toil means to work, right? We got to work at it. We got to work at our faith. We got to strive. We got to work because we have set our hope. We have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. So we call ourselves believers. We got to place our hope, our faith in Jesus alone and only in Jesus alone. And so, number four, we are to command and teach these things in verse 11. Paul is telling Timothy to command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth. So again, Paul's not a teenager. He's not a youth in our, the way we think of youth. But he's a younger, younger person who's been called to go and to teach the gospel. And so Paul is telling him, don't matter what these people say, they try to belittle you or despise you because you're young, you've been given a calling from God. And you've been appointed for this job, you go and you preach, no matter what. And so, young people, I would encourage you to be the same, to be bold for your faith, to live out your faith. Don't let anyone despise you for your faith. Don't let anyone criticize you because of what you call yourself. You call yourself a follower of Christ. Be bold for your faith. Stand firm on God's word. Don't let any outside influence change what you know as fact, what you know as truth of God's word. Stand firm in that word, no matter how old you are. Stand firm on God's truth. And so, number five, we are to set the example, right? Because Paul told them in verse 12, no one despises you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. We're to set the example. Not just youth, all of us in this room, we're to be an example to the world of what a follower of Christ looks like, sounds like, talks like. He says, set the example in speech. How we talk matters. What we say matters. What battles we choose to fight matters because it's a reflection of Christ if we're known as a Christian, right? We don't want to be out there fighting the world against worldly things. We want to stand firm on God's truth and be that example in, tr in speech and in conduct, how we carry ourselves, how we act. We will set the example in love. We should love like Christ. 
because he is love. And so if we know Christ, we know love, then we should set the example in love and loving others. We set the example in faith and in purity. We are to be salt and light in the darkness, right? We are to look different, sound different, be different, be set apart as followers of Christ. And this, like I said, this applies to all of us. And then on number six, this one's a different, a little bit different because it's a little different in this time than it is today. But in verse 13, he says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Now, we just had this talk in our house the other night, but the public reading of Scripture was a little different in this time where you would literally come and sit and listen to Scripture just be read. And that was the public reading of Scripture. We saw it in the Old Testament. We saw what happened when the Israelites went away from it, right? It didn't, didn't fare well for them. When they, but when they reinstituted the public reading of Scripture, there was joy in the land. There was, uh, Israel was, the king was excited that after all these years, they found the scrolls and was able to do the public reading again. But in our day and age, the public reading of Scripture happens where? Happens here, right? In the church. We receive from God's word when we come and we are present as a body, together, assembled, to worship, to sing his praises, to hear his word, be read and be taught. And so we have to come together. Now, I know there's a lot of things going on in this world with you've got to do it online and do it digi digitally because of, you know, COVID and things like that. That's, that's fine. But it's not the same as this public gathering together as a body, assembled, God's people together, letting the Holy Spirit do his work, letting the Holy Spirit move within us. We have to come together. Now, look at the words that Paul uses here. Until I come, devote yourself to public, to public reading of Scripture. Can I be devoted to something if I only go when I feel like it? That's not devotion, right? Just think about if your relationships Am I devoted to somebody if I only pour into them half the time? Or if I only love them half the time? That's not devotion. That's something different. And so if I'm going to devote myself to the public reading of Scripture, I have to come to church. Now this isn't a rebuke. If it falls on your ears and it feels like a rebuke, maybe it is. But it's not meant to be. It's meant to be just God's truth. It says, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. So how do we do that? We come together as God's people, right? And we receive from God's word. We can't do that if we don't come to church. So we gather together. We fellowship together. We sing God's praises together. And we hear from his word together. And so devotion to the public reading of Scripture and to exhortation, which means to encourage others to action. Right? So how many of you have ever been encouraged to do something? Yeah, right. We need encouragement as believers, as youth, as adults. It doesn't matter how old we are. Sometimes we need to be encouraged, right? And so there are people whose gift from the Holy Spirit, we'll talk about gifts in a minute too, whose gift is to be an exhorter. Their gift, their spiritual gift is to encourage people. And so if we're not together publicly, assembled in the church, it's hard to get encouraged from a distance, right? But if we're here together and we're assembled together and we're pouring into each other, it's easier to encourage one another. 
and what you're walking through. Encourage you in the faith. Encourage you to keep walking through whatever your trial is or the fire that you're in in the, middle of the, in the midst of that moment. You need to be encouraged. And we're called to encourage one another. But we can't do that if we're not together. And so he says to devote yourself to public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. We have to be teachable, right? If we come in with an attitude of I know it all and I know everything and I can't gain anything from this teaching, then we're not being teachable. We have to be able to be taught from God's Word. We have to be able to receive from God's Word. If we're hard-hearted and we say, I'm good, I already know everything I need to know about it, we're going to miss out on what the Holy Spirit can do when God's people are gathered together, that He can move and that He can open up and He can reveal something brand new to you that you may have never known before. And so, devote ourselves to public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. And so, encourage those around us, inciting them to action or to coming to church. Have you ever had to try to invite someone to church who didn't want to go? That's a hard thing to encourage sometimes, right? But if you keep, keep on and keep on, maybe they'll just come to shut you up, you know? And then once they're here, maybe they'll receive from God's Word. So, keep being that encourager, even if it's not met with good you know, somebody says, you know what? I'm tired of hearing about church. Okay. And then next week, you want to come to church with me? Just keep being adamant about it. Keep encouraging them. Um, and, and maybe they'll come. That'd be wonderful. And so the number seven thing that we look at that Paul was teaching Timothy in verse 14, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by, the prof- by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. And so this This is a little more specific just to Timothy because we've not all been called to teach and all had the elders lay hands on us. But we all have gifts. If we're followers of Christ and we've received the Holy Spirit, right? We receive the Holy Spirit. We have have spiritual gifts. And so do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given to you. So if, if your gift, like we talked about exhortation a minute ago, if your gift is exhortation, you need to be exhorting others using your gift to help build the body, to help build God's kingdom here on earth. Use our gifts. Um, you know, maybe your gift is playing the bass. <clears throat> we, we need a bass player. Um, maybe your gift is teaching in small groups. Maybe your gift is teaching in Sunday schools. Bless you. Uh, whatever your gift is. Maybe your gift is uh, building things. We've got a lot of those guys in this church, and praise God for them, because I can't sing and I can't build things. So we'd have a lot of holes if people were all like me, but we're not. God made us all different. We all have different parts of the body to function together and utilize our gifts for the church, for the, for the, the body of Christ. And so we have to use our gifts, um, especially if, like, like Paul said, do not neglect it. We don't want to have a gifting and never use it because then we're not being obedient to what God has given us. Um, so we want to use these gifts to lead to serve and to help build God's kingdom. And so what's really cool about working with these guys is that sometimes we don't know our gifts yet. And even as adults, sometimes we don't know what our gifts are. And if you don't know your spiritual gifts, we have a spiritual gifts test that you can take online. Um, it's not, you know, it's, it's, you take it for what it is. It may not be 100% accurate, but it can help you kind of understand and discern what your giftings are. And um, you know what? Even if you don't understand what your spiritual gift is, you can serve you don't have to have a spiritual gift to make coffee. Um, my gifting might be drinking coffee. I drink lots of it, but 
I don't have a spiritual gift of making coffee, but we can make coffee. Um, our young people, we've gone to do um, out, local mission trips. We've gone to the food bank and served. Uh, later this month, we're going to Love, Inc. to serve. And it doesn't take a lot of gifts to sweep floors or to stack boxes, um, but just to be a servant and to be available to use what God has given you uh, for his glory is a, is a wonderful thing. And so after verse 14, now we get to our key passage. Uh, verse 15 says, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. And so if we practice these things, we're immersing these things, what are these things? Well, we just laid some of them out. And if we immerse ourselves in them, all will see our progress. So what does that mean? All will see our progress. So if I'm a new convert, I'm a new believer in Jesus Christ, I may not look much different in a month, right, of following Jesus. I might have more joy. I might be more excited about life. But you may not have seen a lot of growth take place yet. But if I've been following Jesus for 10 years and I've been letting the Holy Spirit work in my life, and I still look the same as I did 10 years ago, something's not right. I haven't surrendered everything yet to let God work in my life. I'm still holding on to stuff, maybe. But if you see me 10 years from down the road, and you, man, I can't even recognize that guy. He used to be this, or he used to be that, and I can't believe the way he's, you know, has joy, and he has this love for other people. What in the world could that be? Well, then now... You are a great reflection of what Christ Jesus can do in our lives. And so when it says, so that all may see your progress, that's that growth. That's that maturity that has to take place if we're doing these things, right? It doesn't say you'll grow and all these things will magically happen. No, it says you have to practice these things. Immerse yourself in them. Go all in to loving others. Go all in in your, using your gifts. Go all in into training yourself in righteousness, doing all these things. If we're all in and we're fully immersed, we'll look different. We'll sound different. The world won't even recognize us anymore. You know, I always like to use the analogy, if change happened on the outside, would people see me 10 years from now and, and say, man, you look just the same as you did 10 years ago? Or would they say, man, you look different? Because it should, if the inward change was what it would look like on the outside, we should look different, right? If we're following Jesus. And so, and an outward change does happen. I got a senior discount the other day, and I'm only 43. So the outs it does happen on the outside, but we want that inward change to happen, right? We want to look different to the world than what we used to because we want us all to see our progress, that growth. And so if we hold fast, these are the things that Paul talked about. If we immerse ourselves in these things, we'll see progress. We are called to hold fast to God's word. To follow solid biblical doctrine, having nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. We should strive to train for righteousness. We just set our hope in Jesus. I would put that number one, but this is how they came in Scripture. So we set our hope in Jesus. We want to be an example in our speech, our conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. And we want to devote ourselves to the public reading of Scripture exhortation and teaching. We've got to use our spiritual gifts to serve and to build the church. And if we're doing these things, then we'll see progress. And more importantly than our own progress, people will see Jesus in our lives, right? We want to make much of Jesus everywhere we go. We want to be a reflection of him. And the more that we do these things, the bigger that reflection gets. 
and others will see Jesus. They won't see us anymore. They'll see Jesus, and that's what we want. Him. We, want we want others to see Christ in us, not see us. And so that's what, in a nutshell, in a 30-minute capsule, probably not even 30 minutes, 25-minute capsule of what immerse means and what we want to see these students do and, and grow in their faith and, and, and use these gifts, use this knowledge, use God's word to grow their faith and to, to go out and to be. Because this generation, they're the future of our church. And I don't mean just College Heights Baptist Church. I mean the church. And so if they're not chasing after these things, they're not seeking the Lord, then they're our future. So we need you guys as a church body to continue to pray. Pray for our youth. Pray for our students. Pray for our children's ministry. Pray for our children. Pray for our parents that, that we just continue to, to seek after the things that are of the Lord. And that we continue to, as children's ministry, Bible, uh, Sunday school teachers, as youth leaders, as all these people, uh, that we uh, can continue pouring in to our students. Because we have to not only talk about being immersed, but we ourselves have to be immersed. We can't just walk the walk and not talk the talk. We have to be all in as well. And so I think it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, Amy and I, we are all in for your, for your students, for our youth. Um, you know, we are, I, I am part-time in job title and in salary, but we are not part-time when it comes to our commitment to your students. We are full-time committed. We love these guys. Um, well, not all of it. No, just kidding. But, uh, Becca said I picked on her first service, so I had to pick on her second service too. But no, we love our students. We love what we do. We love that God has uh, called us here to, to do this. And uh, we just continue to ask for your prayer to help us um, to continue to pour into them. Because we're going to Fairbanks in a couple next month to do a mission trip. And um, it's going to be cold. Uh, first week, of, second week of March in Fairbanks. So in hindsight, it may not have been the best decision, but um, it's hard to find a local mission trip right now that's not on the road system with uh, COVID and everything that's going on. So uh, be praying for us. Pray for that trip that, that we go and be the hands and feet of Christ and that we represent not only college heights, but we represent Jesus in, in a good way. And um, so before we close and before we pray, I've got a video that we want to show you. It's just a little, uh, a little synopsis of what we've been doing since June um, as a youth ministry, and uh, hopefully to give you a little bit of a, a picture of what these guys do.
All right, so that's just a, a little glimpse of what, we are, what we've done and what we're doing. Um, this morning, as we get ready to close, and our band's going to come up and play, um, this, this is a time to just reflect and let God search your heart. And if it's, there's any, like the psalmist said, if there's any offensive way in me, Lord, just bring it to the surface, and it's the time to pray. And uh, there's an invitation if you'd like to come and to pray to receive Christ or rededicate your life to Christ, or if you just want to pray in general, and now's the time to come. So um, as these guys... Did you already sing? Are you guys coming? Yeah, I, was, I thought you were going to come up while, before I pray. So let's pray while they come slowly and quietly. When, Lord, we just pray this morning to uh, thank you for what you've done and for what you're doing in the hearts of these young people. God, we just uh, lift them up to you, and we thank you for our time this morning to, to spend in your word and to sing your praises. Um, so we just give our time to you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>
right. Amen, guys. Well, I've got two quick announcements. We will have a uh, parent meeting for the mission trip here in about 10 minutes downstairs in the youth room. If you want to go to that, we will also have baptism Sunday on the 28th of this month. So if you want to be baptized or you want to talk about baptism, we'd love to visit with you about that and get you up there in the tank. Um, So that being said, um, Greg Moore, would you close this, please?